Hello and welcome to another episode of CryptoCast. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Neeraj Nakakate, who is a global crypto tax accountant within Gunna Cook. Hi Neeraj, it's great to have you on. Cheers James, great to be here. So just starting with, because quite a lot of listeners I think are now currently doing their personal crypto taxes because the deadline for self-assessment passed on the 31st of January. Is that a problem for people given we're now in February? Is it too late for people to do their own personal crypto taxes? Well, uh, first of all, you can relax um, because HMRC did extend the deadline until 28th of February. And that means that uh, you won't receive a penalty if you submit your self-assessment this month. However, interest charges do start to apply from the 1st of February, which is currently lowish at 2.75%, which in the grand scheme of things won't be terribly high. A couple of quid maybe on a £1,000 outstanding debt, for example. And do you have any tips for those who are kind of planning their crypto tax at the moment if you're a UK individual? Well, uh, yeah, the most common tax actually that individuals would deal with on their crypto is capital gains. And that's uh, the tax you pay on the increase in your asset, or in this case, your crypto asset. So, you know, here are a few tips. So uh, the first one is, you know, every individual has a tax-free allowance of up to £12,300 in a tax year. So up to that threshold, you wouldn't have to pay any tax on that amount. Uh, The next one is you just buy crypto and hold on to it. So great for our hodlers out there. Um, And you wouldn't pay any tax, of course, until um, you dispose of it. Yeah, another one which is um, a useful one is, you know, keeping a track of those losses because um, whilst losses, a loss of value in assets isn't great, uh, capital loss in tax land is absolutely, you know, a great tax planning tool because you can use those losses to reduce your gains and reduce your tax bill. And what you'd often find is that with... uh, crypto transactions and you can have hundreds or thousands of them, you know, uh, you could get a uh, crypto tax software to track all your transactions. Uh, There are many out there. And, you know, uh, failing that, there are any number of crypto accountants in the UK who would be happy happy to help you out on that front as well. Um, A few more, actually. We've got um, the, the fees that are linked to a crypto transaction. So um, in this case, I'd be talking about like gas fees or crypto exchange fees. They're actually tax deductible from your capital gains. Uh, I'll And a couple more tips. Uh, the first one is spousal transfer. And that's where you set up your husband or wife with a wallet. And actually, you can send them, you know, um, unlimited amounts of crypto um, as a married couple. Uh, You can also, you know, double up your tax free allowances and get 24,600 instead of as an individual, you'd get 12,300. And I believe uh, that it's not just for spouses and it's also for civil people in civil partnerships as well. 
And the last one I would say is, I would say nothing to do with crypto, but it would help your tax bill a reduction. So say if you're sitting on like, you know, um, the threshold between a basic rate taxpayer and a higher rate taxpayer, like uh, a higher rate taxpayer might have 51,000 gross salary and a basic rate taxpayer might have 49,000 a year. Uh, if you make an additional voluntary contribution to pension or it could be an ISA, you could find that your capital gains tax reduces from 20% to 10%. And that's how, that's just the effect of uh, how the tax rates and thresholds work. If you're a basic rate taxpayer, 10% on capital gains. If you're a higher rate taxpayer, that's 20%. So um, not yet, but you can't put crypto in directly into pensions or ISAs, but that could change in the future. I think one of the other interesting things we're seeing, particularly the advent of things like home working, is people beginning to think about moving overseas and, and kind of working from overseas. For people who've made in the from UK individuals who've made decent camps, uh, decent gains in crypto, and are thinking about moving overseas, do you have any thoughts which would be helpful for them? Yeah, so I suppose that the first thing is to determine, you know, what your current tax position is. So. Uh, we already alluded to uh, people submitting their self-assessments, though that position would only cover until, you know, uh, 5th of April 2021 last year. If they could get like a recent up-to-date uh, tax position, that would be great. And, you know, or just a, a general overview of how much uh, crypto gains they've made in last year. Uh, the second one is, you know, um, are the crypto gains you've made worth it? And this is always uh, dependent on the personal circumstances. You know, have you made the best use of the planning tools, as already mentioned, from the UK tax system itself to keep it as low as possible? Uh, but, you know, if uh, you've made substantial gains and once again, trying to put a monetary value on substantial is you know, um, is really an individual thing, then, you know, um, moving overseas could be the answer as well. Um, yeah, uh, you'll often be surprised for me to say this, but uh, yeah, tax may not be the only reason. Uh, it's, it's usually a major reason, but it's not, uh, you know, the decisive factor. It could be in certain circumstances, but for example, it could be that uh, the, in the UK individual in question has a second citizenship that's beneficial. Uh, it could be that, um, you know, whilst a country is tax friendly for crypto, uh, the local banks there might not be so ready to convert uh, crypto into cash or, you know, you might find delays or, you know, additional questions. So it's uh, usually um, a good idea also to find a um, country which is both tax friendly and crypto friendly in the banking system as well. And it might be that um, a digital entrepreneur, for example, is, is more able to move their business than someone with, you know, factories and the digital entrepreneur or the so-called digital nomad 
uh, can base themselves um, in what you call a tax neutral jurisdiction. And that could be, for example, UAE and uh, your and the rest of the time uh, travel for three to six months around the world and become, you know, tax resident in one country and take advantage of an increasing number in the last 12 months of, you know, digital nomad visas and a lot of EU countries and uh, countries in the Caribbean in uh, Southeast Asia are offering this kind of uh, visa and it's uh, highly beneficial. And of course, any number of any reasons that even um, people uh, without crypto, so it could be they met someone in the UK and you know are moving overseas for that reason. So any number of tax uh, non-tax reasons uh, are possible but tax is uh, a major consideration, but, and, but there you go, yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting because, I mean, at the moment we're involving quite a lot of international structuring, both from a kind of regulation from a tax perspective. And one of the things I, I know you're doing at the moment, you're doing a study on tax-friendly countries for crypto. Can you give us some highlights of what you found out so far as part of the study? Yeah, so uh, at the moment, that's right. I'm the survey I'm carrying out is was last year, tail end of last year, with the crypto community asking them which factors were important to know about what makes for a tax friendly country for crypto. And the three top things that came out uh, were, which surprised me, I must say, was. And but when you look into it deeper, it's not so surprising. It's whether a country's tax authority has an education program for its uh, taxpayers for crypto. And so far, out of the seven or eight countries I've looked at, uh, it's only the IRS who've got like a a two-hour webinar on their website, and and specifically on crypto and how that's taxed in the US. I believe HMRC did have a webinar in 2019 but when i tried the link and emailed them that's been taken down so um yeah not much education out there as far as it goes and yeah tax authorities could do uh go a long way to educate uh the public however um it could be that you know there is no tax on crypto in that country therefore there's nothing to educate on as well so that's that's an alternative possibility uh the number two factor uh, was whether a country's tax authority is specifically targeting the crypto community now this could be in terms of in two ways from my thinking uh, the first one is whether the tax authority are sending out letters based on information they've received and i believe uh, hmrc sent letters back in november to crypto asset holders to consider their tax position in tax world they call them like nudge letters and the other way would if they're specifically targeting the crypto community is uh, is whether there's a specific question or an asset class on the tax return. And in the US, uh, in the last couple of years, 
they've had the question, you know, uh, any time during 2021, did you receive, sell, exchange or otherwise dispose of any like financial interest in any virtual currency? And, uh, you know, that's if you're you've made investments in crypto, that's a fairly uh, clear answer there. And the third thing which came into the study, it's also to do with tax reporting, is whether you know crypto market participants such as exchanges or wallets or even custodians are you know subject to international tax reporting requirements. So I thought this was interesting because it's actually quite a technical area and not something that and individual would consider it's more um well known in you know international tax so uh the two main focuses that are current uh making it a reporting requirement as part of the common reporting standard so that's the exchange of information between tax authorities about um, assets held in bank accounts and extending that to crypto so the oecd is um considering or may have already um, made the recommendation to bring that into effect for signed up countries as early as 2023. And the second one is more EU focused and it's currently under consultation. It's a directive on administrative cooperation. Similar thing, exchange of information like between tax authorities, but making it a reporting requirement for any EU based crypto exchanges or market participants to hand over information to the tax authorities. So there is a lot of uh, movement towards crypto reporting. And lastly, I just thought it good to just ask a question around the fact that, you know, given the international nature of crypto, quite a lot of people set up in different jurisdictions and people are structuring their companies so that parts of them are set up overseas. Do you have any tax tips for people who are looking for how to structure their business best if they're, if they're moving it overseas? Well, of course. I mean, say if you've got a crypto asset firm in based in the UK and um, couldn't get regulatory clearance or maybe there's a delay in application and, you know, they want to get trading, get on with it, then they would base the crypto or blockchain side of the business overseas. And, you know, first of all, naturally, you want to check out the regulatory environment in those countries first um, before you look at the tax. So um, one thing the UK Tax Authority looks at is when determining whether an overseas company is subject to corporation tax, is you know where are decisions taken at a board level and you know the top level of power and influence and they took it typically look at this uh by seeing you know how much control making and power is held with say uk directors and shareholders so a uh, number of tips to make the overseas presence overseas uh operation look uh, better could be like having a heavy presence of directors in that entity and of course you could have that but it could just be the the parent imposing on the local directors the decision it's predetermined so the, the local directors there 
out of the UK can't just be a rubber stamping decision. They've got to give real careful thought. Uh, so, for example, if it's you know a funding decision, the UK parent would propose something, and the directors could also maybe consider an the local directors could consider an alternative support source of funding as an example. And, you know, then like any commercial decision, uh, come up with uh, a final decision on that basis. It would also be prudent to open a local bank account and, you know, pay out local directors, professional advisors and even crypto project advisors from that account and have, I suppose, contracts, consultancy agreements from the overseas entity to the to the consultants, wherever they are based in the world, because that would make it look like a more of a commercial operation. And also issuing uh, simple agreements for future tokens or SAFTs out of that overseas entity. And uh, basically, the more business activity that you have in that overseas jurisdiction, you know, the less likely it'll be subject to UK corporation tax. So, yeah, the more local presence or the mo more overseas presence, the better. Thank you, Nyaris. It's been really interesting. Um, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on. I'm afraid that's all we've got time for today. If anyone listening would like to reach out to Nyaris directly, his email is Neeraj at N-E-E-R-A-J at dot Nagakati, that's N-A-G-A-R-K-A-T-T-I at Gunnercook, G-U-N-N-E-R-C-O-O-K-E dot com. Neeraj, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our latest podcast. Gunner Cook has a market-leading blockchain, crypto assets and DeFi team, providing legal advice across the whole of the blockchain ecosystem. Our members have been heavily involved in helping shape the legal and regulatory framework for blockchain and crypto assets from the start, meaning that we have an intuitive understanding of our clients' needs and can provide focused, pragmatic advice at predictable cost. For more information, please visit our website. Thank you again.